welcome everyone to the City SC Report podcast, episode one. That's right, our very first episode. My name is Steve, and this podcast is part of the City SC Report project dedicated to covering all news and discussions related to St. Louis's new Major League Soccer franchise, St. Louis City SC, that is slated to kick off in 2023. In each episode, we will discuss team-related news, we'll have interviews, league news, and offer up our opinions and general discussions, and we'll have a little fun by ending each episode with some light general discussions. And to keep things interesting, we'll have different voices from our City SC Report team of eight each episode to offer up different takes on topics and try to keep things interesting. We will attempt to record and release a new episode weekly, but no promises on that, especially at first, but we'll try. And we'll also attempt to keep every episode between 30 to 40 minutes. So we'll see how that goes as well. Depending on Steve's high quality editing skills. <laughs> Today, I am joined by two members of our team, Greg and Matt. Guys, welcome and thanks for helping me out with this. Thank you. Good afternoon. I know the both of you are passionate soccer fans and excited about our new MLS team. So this is exciting to have you guys on our very first episode and to spend a little time talking about what's going on with our team with our league, whatever else we want to talk about. Wait, we're getting before we. What's that? We're getting a soccer team. Yeah, that's what they say. Oh my that's god, what I'm told. Oh yeah. <laughs> before we get into anything, I do want to say a couple things. First, I want to thank everyone who is listening for taking time to see what we're all about. We realize that there are other local soccer podcasts, and hopefully, we will end up one that you listen to often. We aren't trying to compete with the other podcast. We're just offering up additional listening for you. Simple as that. There's a great St. Luligan podcast called This is Silly. They've been around for years and do a great job. We encourage you to check them out. And in fact, most of us with the City SC Report are in fact St. Luligans. If you aren't familiar with the St. Luligans, we're a soccer supporters group that has been around since 2010 and will most likely be the largest supporters group of St. Louis City SC. You can check them out on all your social medias and the website stlulligans.com. Google is your friend. I also want to thank the guys who have volunteered to join the City SC Report. I decided to start this little project earlier last year, and these guys felt like it was something they wanted to contribute to as well. I started with changing my MLS dedicated group page to a St. Louis SC fan page, and then over the excitement of the Team Crest announcement and discussions with friends, decided to dive into operating an actual fan-based news site. I gathered a team, secured a web domain, which the website's still under development, social media sites, and had some very cool people submit ideas for a logo. Thank you, Kevin. I owe you big time for that very nice logo, by the way. Then a couple guys from our team thought a podcast would be a good idea, so here we are. I also wanted to thank Ryan and Alex for helping me with the planning and technical sides to this podcast. You guys are great. We'll see how this all goes. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then no harm, no foul. If we think it works, but no one is listening, then we'll figure it out where we go from there. It might be rough at first. We might have technical difficulties. We might get them some things wrong. We might piss some people off. Hopefully not. We'll see what happens. We're not professionals, as you'll quickly find out. We're not soccer experts. We're not in this for money or any type of gain. We're just a bunch of soccer fans who need a hobby. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold up, man. Hold up. We're soccer fans? Uh, what, what's up with that? 
No, we're just trying to have fun and produce something that we would want to listen to. <laughs> Team News, Matt, Maddie, hey. what's going on lately with St. Louis City SC? You know, it, uh, we're not going to start playing until 2023, but as you know, there's been a few things going on. I'm, I'm sure everyone is quite aware of all the construction there going on in downtown West area. It's been it's been going crazy. I mean, I was down there a little over a week and a half half ago, and uh, the one thing I noticed is they are continuously working. And to see them uh, to continue working through the pandemic hasn't stopped them. I mean, they are going to get this thing done in 2022. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, really quick, if you guys um, haven't noticed on our Facebook page, um, there's two people, uh, Stephen Hale from Schlafly. He's been taking video of the stadium being built. So he's been posting that and I had a discussion with them and I, you know, I asked him if it was okay if I shared that on our Facebook page and he said, Oh, absolutely, man, go for it. So you'll even notice he kind of tags us. So I, I've been putting that on there and also, um, Ryan, uh, same Ryan who helping me out with the podcast. Um, same thing. He goes down. I think he messaged this morning, didn't he? Yeah. To, to, to us that he was down there taking video. So he's really excited and he puts up some really good videos also. So check those out. Absolutely. Um, I, I happen to see where they have the tunnel built. Um, obviously going from one side to the other. What do you guys think about this uh, practice field and how close it is? You know, I'm trying to think of any other MLS team that does it, what St. Louis is going to be doing. I mean, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I haven't been to that many stadiums, honestly. Um, MLS stadiums, uh, I think I've been to five now, four or five, and I've never seen that where it's that close. And I think that's awesome. Really, I mean, you got to think about that. How cool is that? That a team—it's—it it really is a home. They don't have to. I think in Kansas City, isn't there practice field on the Missouri side and there their is. stadiums on the Kansas side? Yes. I mean, that's just—that's weird to me. Absolutely. I—I um—I've been to quite a few stadiums, and I haven't—I've yet to see how many. I—I I, I just haven't seen any. Uh, practice fields that are are like that i mean that's awesome and then team offices right there so i think that's going to be um, yeah pretty sweet i think yeah absolutely to attract players to our team because with everything being centrally located in that downtown west core and the promise of downtown west booming i think the centralized for a player to make transport easy to make their job easier um because you're right. I mean, I've been to a lot of MLS stadiums also, and you don't see the practice facility necessarily next to where it's at. Um, the, I think the only practice facility that's going to rival what we're going to have is probably what um, LAFC has, and, but it's not anywhere close to Bank of California Stadium because it's right. a little further east, but they have they built them a dedicated facility, which is amazing, but it's not there. And so with that being said, um, Orlando City, their practice facility isn't it's another beautiful facility, but it's not even close to the stadium. So I don't know necessarily what the newer te- other new teams are going to do. Austin, Charlotte, I know Charlotte won't be anywhere close because they're going to play at Bank, Bank of America Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Austin, I don't know what their practice situation is going to be, but I think that 
the idea of having it right there is absolutely solid and it'll be a great way to a great way to attract players yeah i mean if you're a player and you're coming to a city especially right now there are so many players from central and south america coming to mls that just has to be like so easier you know you don't you're moving to a new city you have never been to before oh everything's right here fantastic mm-hmm. go to practice here all the time and then yeah that, that's pretty cool whoever whoever thought that up was genius honestly. yeah I, I think it's pretty safe to say that we're very lucky with how um things are progressing with what what's going to be there when it's done and when they're ready to kick off in 2023 so how cool is that yeah. The other thing that I'm excited about is by having the stadium ready by 2022, you're going to be able to have enough test events to make sure you have all the things worked out. You open yeah. any stadium in any professional sport you ever open brand new, you're going to have problems, you're going to have kinks, and you got to work them out. We, this stadium will be able to have test events, be able to have smaller names. And the, I mean, the stadium is built for more, even though it's the number one thing is um, St. Louis City. You're going to be able to have concerts in here. I have uh, American pointy ball in there. So exhibition soccer matches. I mean, you name it. Other things you got to think about. Yeah. The stadium is for soccer, but there's going to be, you have to be sustainable. You have to have other events. We got a whole year of hosting other events before the main ticket comes to town. So that's what, that's a great thing that I'm glad that it's going to get done earlier. I think it's safe to say that we're probably all three of us will be in the stadium before 2023. I'm sure they'll have some kind of pickoff oh, yeah. events or whatever will be. So um, I, I think it's uh, I'm looking forward to getting in there as soon as possible, no matter what the event is. Yeah. And it sounds like the Academy will probably, our Academy team will probably take the field when by 2022, right? Sure. Right. Right. When the stadium yeah. pretty much yeah, built. Absolutely. And as uh, you you know, and, cool. and that kind of leads into a little bit of uh, with with the uh, team. And uh, I've been doing a lot of looking at uh, what Lutz is doing as far as uh, his vision, I guess. And um, it's just it's very exciting to see what he's looking at as far as uh, what he wants. So he's getting ready for 2023. And here it is, 2021. And uh, he wants more of a fast paced soccer team and you know, he wants to create something enthusiastic. So, you know, that's, that's something that I'm really looking forward to. I want to go back for a second to what Matt was talking about with a high, a high, high energy team. You know, that's what we all want, but let's face it. You know, this team is put, it's going to be sold out from day one. It's going to be the hottest ticket in town, but with most expansion teams, they don't have success on the pitch right away. Yeah, that's, very that's true. For the most what part, what happened? This is what I'm. The only thing I'm worried about with this club is, let's say we're like most expansion teams, and we are not. We're not putting a good product on the pitch for a couple of seasons. It could very well happen. So, will the passion stay? Will are people going to bow out of that line for a season ticket deposits? I, I know it's a scary thing to think about, but and it's long term processing, but. I think I think we, the team needs to be uh, the team's got to reach out to the community. They got to reach out to youth soccer to stay sustainable in the community because I don't think the product on the pitch is going to sell this team the first two years. 
So my question is, is do you see, um, you know, obviously we saw what the first year or first two years of Minnesota was. Uh, we've seen what the first two years of Cincinnati was. But how cool was it to see Nashville make the playoffs? That's a good and, point. And I saw Nashville play in November live against Orlando. And mm-hmm. they they went down 2-0 in that match and came back and won. You want to talk about a team that had some heart. It was Nashville. Exactly. That exactly. Was a, that team had heart all year. I mean, they were they out of the MLS's back tournament, and that's the, to see that team come back with that much heart and that much determination. That says something, and I think that Minnesota, their first couple of years, they they have some core support. Um, I don't, what other team did you mention in that? Cincinnati what? FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Cincinnati for a minute. That's the one like, that was one of the coolest MLS experiences I ever went to. That was absolutely amazing. Nippert Stadium is one of the few stadiums that I've seen both a throw ball and a football match in. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the if you ever go to Nippert, it's really cool. They're moving to their new stadium next year, Cincinnati. But the product on the field is trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those fans are not going to stick around for that much longer if the product is garbage. Um, Minnesota, their first two yep. years were really were not a great team. I mean, let's be honest. Also, um, but by year three, they're a playoff team. By year four, they almost made it to the finals. How how cool is that? It does you do you think um, watching the early Minnesota teams, watching the early Cincinnati teams, um, the passion in Minnesota? I think those fans have stuck around because of the success and going into the new stadium. Do you think, Greg, that with the new stadium going in Cincinnati, that a it will allow them to attract um, either a designated player, a better player, or what have you, um, and then that team will maybe be like Minnesota this year, year three? I think Cincinnati's problem is deeper than players. I think they have. I think their management's terrible. I think that. The carousel, I, I think it was one of those teams that we had so much success in USL and we were dominating and we had the money in USL because think about where do you drive your revenues off USL? It's ticket sales. Right. They were driving revenues. We could attract the players that go to MLS, you know, and yeah, you're selling tickets out the wazoo, but you couldn't keep up with the other 20 some odd teams in the league at that time. So your product just you didn't spend you spent the same amount of money, and your product was trash. The, the, and I think the fans I think the fans are picking up on that. I think there's I I don't see in a even with their new West End Stadium, which is really nice and neat and right there's some really cool breweries right by there and for the fans I think that that's awesome. But it can only last for so long you have to spend money to win games bottom line well i think i think with mls though it's it's not so much about spending money because you know there's so many restrictions i think it's more about spending your money wisely that's what it is you've got to you have to have a really a real balance to have a successful mls team you know you can have your couple dp players and your I don't even know all the rules anymore, your international slots and all that. But really, it's about spreading out that money that you have to balance a team 
to where you have both youth, talent, and leadership that all comes together on the pitch to to win matches. Now, luckily, with MLS, you know, out of well, now there's 27 teams, but 26 teams, 14 teams make the playoffs, which sounds like a lot, which it is. But that's that. You know what? That's that's American sports for you. I mean, you look at NFL; it's the same thing, almost 32 teams and. 14 teams make the playoffs, NBA, 30 teams, 16 make the playoffs, Major League Baseball, 30 teams, 16 make the playoffs, you know? So I don't know. I kind of look at this and I, you know, I, they're not going to be like the first year LAFC. That would be fantastic. But I, I, I think if they're like a Nashville, I, I, or they're right there 500 and they're only losing games by one. You know, the first year Minnesota, they were losing games. Mm-hmm. They're one of their first games again in the year that year was against another team, Atlanta, and they lost at home seven to one. I mean, it, it was just they got pounded, and by then you kind of knew yeah. they were going to have to turn things around. So, um, I would like to see us like a first year Nashville. I mean, you know, yeah, that'd be great if we make the playoffs. But hey, if we finish five hundred and we're only losing games by a goal, then I think we would all be happy, right? I want to digress for a second and talk about something else with Nashville really quick. And I think the biggest mistake that Nashville is going to make here in the next two years, moving away from that downtown core where Nashville stadium or Nissan stadium is at. I'm telling Nashville is one of the coolest party towns in the United States of America. Great place to go watch sports. Great atmosphere. Great music. You've got this downtown core, which is hopping and solid um, Nissan Stadium is a simple walk over the bridge from this great downtown corridor, which is beautiful. And you're moving the state. You're going to build a stadium out in the middle of nowhere. I, I think the ownership of Nashville is making a giant mistake in doing this. And yeah. to take the to, I, I don't like the idea of playing um, Major League Soccer and pointy ball stadiums. But Nashville is going to be my exception because Nissan Stadium is amazing. And plus, you got enough land directly to one side of Nissan Stadium. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Nashville before. There's a top off on that side of the river a little further up. There's plenty of land right there to put a stadium right there. But they're making it because the land there is so expensive, they're putting it further away. I think you're taking by moving by not putting that stadium in the downtown core is a huge mistake. So how far away from the downtown uh, area is the new stadium? Don't quote me on this, but I heard 10 miles. Okay. That's a bit. I mean, that's not terrible, but that's a bit. Downtown, you can attract, with downtown Nashville, with the number of hotel rooms that they have, the number of bars and restaurants that they have, you're going to attract so many away fans. It's crazy. I went to Nashville last January and I've been dying to go back ever since. It was just Nashville is one of those cities where I thought would be kind of like just you go, you hang out, you leave. No, it was amazing. It was so cool. So it's a great, it would be a great place if they kept that team downtown. You know, I think talking about that then makes me think about our new stadium downtown and how lucky we are then, because think about everything it's close to, you know, yeah, it's on our western edge of our downtown, but you still have Union Station there and everything they've built. You have what? I think I counted three hotels all within walking distance. Yeah. I think that's right. Three. Um, 
uh, the, the uh, Metrolink station isn't far. That's right there. I mean, it's 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 a pretty it's cool a, location. That's what I'm digging. Is it's a fantastic location. It's yeah. You you can walk. It's an it's it's a bit of a walk, but it's not terrible to the Bush Stadium's ballpark village. These <laughs> ballpark village, they're gonna have shuttles to the game. There'll be trolleys. There'll be trolleys from Soulard. There'll be that'll happen. I think getting to the game will be very easy. The Metrolink is super close. And like, like you said, Greg, the trolley um, going from ballpark village. I mean, it, th- there will be people that will be making the, the trip that don't really have to worry about how am I going to get to downtown? How am I going to park my car? And that sort of thing. It'll be fun too, to see what new, what, what all is built around the stadium within the next couple of years. Cause you know, there's going to be new restaurants you know, and, yeah, and new bars. New, well, they're building, who, who knows they're building what an else? Apartment uh, building right by there, or condos or something that are going to be going a block over, right, right there. I think they just announced it uh, within thirty days. So yeah, perfect. Okay, Greg, let's let's talk about MLS. Let's let's talk about it. We're part of this league now, and I feel that it's kind of important to know what is going on around the league, like and, we and should absolutely. And this is a league that every year does new and amazing things and does great things to attract fans and new fans and fans that have never watched the game that we all love. And, you know, being, we're going to call this the fifth sport in America. I mean, this is on, we are number five and we're happy with that. We're happy with being the fifth sport, you know, and that's, I think I I think Don Garber would disagree Garber with you, but would absolutely yeah. disagree with me, but, that's, <laughs> but that's his job too. Honestly, people forget about that. that that's absolutely. that's his job. I, I think my bank is that I work for personally is the best and every one of them is not so great, but you know what? People would disagree with me, but it's, yeah. but we have to understand sports is also a business too. And be that as it may, we have to understand as sports, sports business, what we sport can do to grow and what we can do to learn and i think and i want to talk about a little bit about how the fan culture in mls is so important and all three of us on this podcast we've all been to a lot of mls games in different cities we've all seen a lot of soccer and one thing that we can all agree on is the fact that fans have a voice and fans are important and fans will make a statement to what is going on and with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about a team that I'm pretty sure all three of us have seen in person that we know a lot about because they're really close to us. It's the Chicago Fire. And right, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. And I want to touch on them a little bit because, you know, other than 10 years ago, other than Kansas City, Chicago was a go to. Chicago moved away from downtown, built a stadium of soccer specific stadium in Bridgeview. It's a nice stadium. And the couple of years ago, they got new ownership, broke the lease in Bridgeview, decided it was time to move back downtown. So at the time, I'm thinking, okay, moving back downtown, you're going to have the traffic issues. You're going to have the pros are your downtown. You're in central in the core. The downtown people are going to be able to get there. No problem. Um, your cons are. Parking is a nightmare in downtown Chicago. Driving in downtown Chicago is easy. Oh, yeah. And then I think the fans realize, okay, we can get past all this. 
But then the ownership decided to do one crucial thing to a soccer club without talking to their fans. <laughs> the old logo change. change. And oh my let's God. talk about an absolute shitstorm of changing the trust. I, I spent days on Facebook looking at the comments and every time <laughs> I this crest is so horrible. This you go you if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a soccer fan. You know what I'm talking about. And you all know how bad this crest is. The colors aren't bad on it. It's just the crest makes no sense. And if you were to ask me to explain this crest on a podcast right now, I can't. Hey Greg, <laughs> can you explain this to me on a podcast? Yeah, I, I'm going to explain <laughs> this to you. It's a college. So, <laughs> you, so I think the Chicago Fire got a little lucky that COVID hit because I think their fans would have revolted. And I don't, I think the merch sales went to shit. And they announced, the, the Chicago Fire announced yesterday, we're going to play one more year with this horribly tacky, nasty looking logo. And we're redesigning the whole logo package. <laughs> So, what the finally did was something that every team should do all the time listen to your core supporters you know it's amazing they they changed it last year and they said sorry but this is what it's going to be so it's amazing what 12 months will take and now they're they're going back to the fans saying hey let's change it we, we're gonna we're listening to you they dropped that logo and i'm like what this is hot garbage <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean you know living outside of chicago maybe we maybe we didn't know that it was coming but it seemed like it seemed like it just came out I of think nowhere chicago you know they had a very limited amount of players signed at the start of 2020 they have they decided to make a big splash and go back to soldier field which i think personally was a huge mistake to play at soldier field Again, going back to a throwball stadium that's going to look empty all the time versus Toyota Field right. or whatever they call it now, whatever corporate name.com they're building it now. I will say that the problem with Toyota Field, I'm going to call it for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to call it Toyota Field, is that sure. it was far from downtown. It was far from the core. There was a lot of, when the mm-hmm. matches that I went to there, you all, they always bust fans in from the soccer bars, the Globe, for example. Auto, yep. they they bust them in, which was a pain in the ass because it's like it's 30, 40 minutes away. But if you lived in suburbia, it was awesome. It was. Do you think eventually um, the fire will find themselves building a stadium again? I just can't see them playing at at uh, that stadium. I just can't for at least three or four years. But then again, we said that about NYFC. NYCFC and look at them. They're right. no closer than they were in 2015. I don't think there's land. I don't think that there's enough land in Chicago for to do it. So yeah, so that you know, that actually brings me to our last segment of this episode, our our group discussion, which I think we'll have at the end of every episode. Um, you know, it there could be listeners right now who aren't that familiar with the league or with other teams. And, uh, you know, St. Louis City SC obviously is part of Major League Soccer. Um, so they're going to be 
fans who don't know anything about this league. What can they expect? What is this league about? What makes it different from other soccer leagues in the world? So let's dive in it a bit. Um, Matt, what, what's your MLS experiences like? My MLS experiences have been fantastic. I've yep. been to quite a few stadiums. Um, I can remember being at a San Jose Earthquakes versus LAFC game in nine, 2019, and the stadium was shaking. The reason it was shaking was because of the LAFC supporters. And I'm sitting upstairs, and the literally oh, wow. the roof is bouncing. And how cool it was that? I mean, LAFC flew their – paid for their expenses to go uh, there via bus or whatever it was, what have you. And that was one thing I'll never forget. Now, granted, LAFC put a beat down on them five to nothing. So they had a lot to to cheer about. But um, the opposing fans, I mean, you have the supporters groups that come to the games. And, you know, whether you're into supporter groups or you are or you aren't, what have you. But um, how cool was that to see the LAFC fans come in and, you know, cheer uh, for their team. I mean, how, how cool will that be when, you know, yeah. our team goes to, you know, Seattle and, and there's some, quite a few of our fans make it there, or if it's a little bit closer to either uh, Nashville, which Greg speaks very highly of, or even Cincinnati, which we we kind of had a rivalry from the USL days. In the meantime, if fans that haven't been to any MLS stadiums, Definitely something to do this year, you know, depending on the pandemic and in 2022, you know, uh, there's a lot of teams that are close within driving distance. And I I think that's a definite something to go check out. I really do. I think you will have a great time and um, definitely the feedback. I think the team, I think city would like to hear the feedback of, Hey, I saw this. This is what I think, or maybe they won't or whatever. But I, I, I think that's definitely something that we, as fans can do in the meantime. Yeah. You know what? That, that's a great point, especially for those that aren't that familiar with, you know, MLS, maybe they just follow English soccer or whatever. Uh, go out this year. If, if we're allowed to go to Kansas city, go to Chicago, Cincinnati, wherever, um, and experience a live match and, and picture that here in St. Louis. I, I think the one thing that it. I really look forward to is um, a road trip to, let's say we're playing in Chicago or Nashville and you see another fellow city fan that you don't really see at the games, but you see them there and that you know that they've spent the time and effort to make the trip to the game. I first got into MLS around 2006. Um, I was a huge baseball fan, but I was living in Houston and, uh, I remember Houston Dynamo that year, they were playing New England Revolution in the MLS Cup Final. And it was really cool. They were both really good teams. And what the I remember we had it on our TV in the lobby at the hotel I was working at. And there was a lot of St. Louis representation there that I thought was amazing. I wasn't that familiar. Um, New England had three guys from St. Louis. They had Steve Ralston. Pat Noonan, Taylor Tolman, and Houston had one and Brad Davis. And, uh, and of course, Revolution had some, now that I know, really notable players on their team, like Michael yeah. Parkhurst, Shawi Joseph, uh, young, young Jeff Lorenkowitz, and um, even Clint Dempsey. And uh, Houston had a great team, too. They had Brian Ching, and they had Brian 
Ching and Chris Wondolowski and Stuart Holden, just to name a few. And it was really cool. And it was a good game. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. I, I was hooked. I, I went to my first live MLS match in Houston a couple years later in 2008 um, against LA Galaxy. And uh, LA Galaxy had uh, David Beckham and Landon Donovan. And so I was, I was excited. And I, I remember I really wanted to see Beckham play. I thought that'd be really cool, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't play. But uh, so that was kind of funny. I was like, oh, that figures. And Houston went on to win um, three to nothing in front of 30,000 people. Here I am, my first live soccer event. So what did 30,000 people What here. did you think about it as you were really cool the atmosphere. game? What, what, was your, what was your gut telling you? What were you thinking about? Hey, I got to go to another game. What, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, so first of all, it was back then they didn't have their stadium. They played at a crappy college stadium. I think it was called Robertson or something like that, Robertson Field. Um, but I thought it was really cool, too, because after the game, uh, as everybody was strolling out, um, there was a, a part underneath like the bleachers where you could see the stadium and, or see the players. I'm sorry. And uh, I remember walking down there. And, you know, all the, all, all the fans are lined up against this rope and security there. So I walked over to, I'm like, what are they doing? Sure enough, the, the players are coming over. They're high-fiving, you know, just like they would at St. Louis FC games. They were coming over and high-fiving everybody and giving autographs and stuff. And, you know, there was even uh, one young guy there. I don't know if you guys remember him, but uh, yes. well, I'm sure you do. Sure. Jeff Cameron, he was there. He played for Houston. He was there and I remember seeing him and, and Dwayne D Rosario. And I was like, Holy cow. You know, I was just starting to know these guys who they were and to see them. I was like, this is fantastic, you know, but uh, you know, it, yeah, it was the, a really the, cool experience. The Dynamo team. I <clears throat> made the trip down there in 2013 to see their stadium and or 14, somewhere in there. And I called the team and I said, Hey, I'm coming in from St. Louis would there be any possible way to meet with Brad Davis and Will Bruin after the game? And, and sure enough, they said, yeah. So oh, nice. after the game, they, you know, I met them, they oh. took me under my, my friend and I, and uh, terrific guys, you know, they of course want to talk about St. Louis. They want to talk about where you live. They want to talk about what kind of pizza you eat. And, um, but, but it was just a great experience. And um, that was a lot of fun in the Houston the Houston organization, I really, they didn't, they didn't have to say yes to me. They didn't even have to return my, you know, request, but I, I thought that was fantastic on what they did. So, you know, it's amazing how MLS is obviously still growing. Soccer still growing in the United States. MLS, even among a lot of soccer fans still isn't that popular because let's face it. MLS is popular in play it, mostly in places in the United States where an MLS team is. I mean, let's face it, you know, somebody, I I saw somebody once on Facebook recently, actually, who, who said that they said, you know, everybody gathers for, to watch their premier league team play, but you know, not a lot of people come around for the, to watch the MLS final match. If that's on, you know, no, no, nobody's really going to show up. Nobody's going to, or not many people. So it plays a huge part when you have an MLS team in your area. And so that's going to change. And what's really cool too, MLS is 
always, you know, it's a young league. Let's face it, super young. So it's still evolving. It's still growing and evolving. Um, I remember in 2009, you know, I said, I told you about going to Houston. They were playing in a college stadium. In 2009, I moved back to St. Louis and um, I went to Kansas City. And back then they were still the Kansas City Wizards. And they were playing still on the Kansas side, like they are now, but they were playing in a minor league baseball stadium. And it was a cool experience, but it felt very minor league. You know, playing in a minor league stadium, a baseball field, you know, watching a MLS team, top division soccer in a, you know, like it just, it was crazy. It was funny though, too, because it, it was a great time. We had a blast. They played San Jose. And I remember it was, it was freezing rain during the entire match. And I went with uh, my friend Aaron and we were just getting pelted with freezing rain and it was a blast. But yeah, the whole time I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is weird, you know, watching top soccer in the United States played in a minor league baseball stadium. So it, it's, yeah, it's just amazing how much. Yeah. I mean, if you would have thought MLS, has MLS changed. 15 years ago, and then when you went in 09, I mean, it's a complete 180, what this league has, where it's at now. It really is guys. I went to my first MLS game in 1998. Yeah. I went to an MLS game at the Rose Bowl. Oh, wow. And, you know, it, you're in a 100,000-seat stadium. There's maybe 10,000 people. The Rose Bowl is a beautiful stadium. Jeez. Pasadena is amazingly beautiful, but it was it was bush league it was very it, it felt like going to a minor league game it didn't have the same attraction that it does now and it's completely and the night and day the second galaxy match i went to was in 2007 at the home depot center or whatever it's called now i don't even know what it's called now down in carson um on the campus of um uc uh, oh man what's it, what's that college that it's on anyway that was the first soccer-specific stadium that I went to, and I walked into Home Depot Center, and it was amazing. And it was like it just felt perfect. And you, it was it that was, that oh, was yeah. the season that Beckham started with the LA Galaxy, and the reason why I went to that match was to see David Beckham. Lo and behold, I saw him in a luxury box with uh, like not too close, like pretty. Cl- I got pretty close <laughs> to him, but yeah, it was that was my first soccer-specific stadium, and it was absolutely glorious and amazing. And you know, I've been lucky enough to travel and meet great people all around the country, and go to a lot of games and a lot of matches. And I mentioned earlier in the pod about Cincinnati and how amazing of a match day environment that was. And most recently, I was able to go to. Um, a match in Orlando during COVID, which was awesome as well. That's a cool ass stadium. And another, again, another perfect example of downtown development um, is stadium in Orlando because they put that in a. <laughs> that's a shady Orlando they put it in. Yeah, but would agree. You can yeah, walk very easily yep. from the downtown core to that stadium, which is what 
my wife and I did. And it was, it's an amazing stadium and super nice and great sight lines. And the seats were a little uncomfortable, but you know what? If that's the only complaint, then oh well. Um, so be it. You know, just finishing up on that though, it, as far as like how MLS is changing and evolving, it's going to continue to do that, which I, I think is great. A lot, a lot of people like to say negative things about MLS because let's face it, it, just like any league, it does have problems, right? There, there's no league is perfect. You know, they've been trying to gain popularity over the last few decades and trying different approaches, trying to, you know, it's a business. So they Don's doing his best to both grow, grow the game, grow the popularity and make it economically viable for every team and for the league in general. And uh, they're doing what they can. And, and we've already, we, we've already given examples of how much the league has changed and just stadiums, you know, players, you know, the competition's getting better and better. You've seen over the last couple of years, so many players from all these young guys from South America, you know, Central America, even smaller countries in Europe coming over. And I think that's really cool. And it's still good for our, for our players also to get a start here before, you know, if they have the uh, ability to jump over to Europe, of course, that's better for them in the long run. Yes, Steve, it I is think nice to see here. Point. I mean, Don't, wouldn't you the agree? one thing I look at now is if a guy comes in and he's either a designated player or what have you, I, I have to admit the very first thing I do is look at how old he is. And, and, you know, it, it's, you know, these guys are 10 years younger than yeah. they were seven, eight years ago. That's a fact. All right, guys. Well, that will do it for episode one of the city SC report podcast. Uh, Matt, yes. Greg, thanks guys. I hope you guys uh, had fun. What's soccer. I hope we can do this again sometime. Greg, thank you. Thank you. So thank you so much again for listening. Be sure to check us out. The city SC report on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And hopefully someday our website at cityscreport.com will get there eventually. Um, until next time, Good night, everybody. Guys. Good night, guys. That's it. I'm Steve. See you next time. Bye-bye. Awesome.